you could align a pillar page around a problem or an issue and load it up with different content, which is great because we all have preferences and we all learn differently. Welcome to the Look Left at Marketing podcast. We continue our content marketing series with part two of a conversation about aligning content with lead generation, featuring Look Left founder and principal Brian Scanlon, along with Look Left's head of digital, Matt Raven. In the previous conversation, Brian and Matt discussed the ways that different types of content appeal to prospects at different stages of the sales funnel. The conversation resumes here with Brian questioning the value of pillar pages. Websites have a lot of like dead ends. Oh, I brought them here and then I brought them to the blog and then it doesn't go anywhere. And I know we can't map the journey exactly like Rand McNally, right? Like it just doesn't work that way. But do you think pillar pages really kind of help with that? Because it allows you to kind of have a zone, like a big area where you can keep putting stuff. Do you think that that's the right strategy? I think it's immensely important, certainly for search. You know, pillar pages, because they're longer form, due to the way they're structured, they really, I always refer to them as content spider webs. They link out to every related asset and back and forth on your website to make it really user-friendly for somebody who lands on that page that maybe does want to read a really specific use case of the technology on your blog. Or maybe they do want to go check out the user community that you've developed, or maybe they just want to stay right there. But I think what's really important and something that I think we've touched on quite a bit is the concept of balance. Um, And we know that we could build the best, most optimized, prettiest pillar page ever, and a qualified prospect will land there. And 20 seconds later, their dinner will be burning in the oven or their kids will start freaking out and other things happen. And so the upside of building various types of content, whether it be a really simple blog, a really in-depth pillar page, a video that's easy to digest, the main goal is really to get them on the site at least once. One of the best lead generation tactics is let's do exactly that. Let's cookie, retarget, let's build really hyper-segmented audiences. Personalization content always works best. So if we can get them there and we start to learn more about them, we can start thinking about creating audiences of two to 10 people rather than generic lookalike groups. And we can segment them based on where are they in their journey? What content were they consuming before the toast burnt in the oven? And we can test the channels from there, right? It's really less about channel. It's more about the philosophy to me. And it's really important as marketers to remember that these audiences should really only see the content that matters most to them based on their prior interactions. And I think that's a huge mistake that people make. So for example, if I've been to a website once, but only read a single blog or only was on a single pillar page, please don't target me with a trial signup or a product demo the next time I'm on LinkedIn. Please don't do it. I'm not even close to ready. But alternatively, if I've been on your site for eight to 10 minutes across three different sessions, you know, once at 10 p.m. before I went to bed, a week later, you know, during my lunch break, and then three weeks later when I remembered that I needed to purchase some sort of solution, I've downloaded a couple white papers. I've read a product comparison blog post. Maybe I am ready for that, right? And we have tremendous amounts of data that we can mobilize the content that we do have, not just at the right part of the portion of the funnel, but really at the exact moment that somebody should be served that. And I think too often there's misalignment between content marketing and lead generation because there's such a hunger to drive leads now. Yeah, the pressure. The pressure to drive leads now can really deteriorate trust and create bad experiences with a brand, right? If it's too early or too late, you can seem a little bit disconnected. So I think that's a really important point. Get people to the site at least once. And to do that, 
you have to serve lots of different types of content that maybe satisfies their need in any given moment. I want to touch on two things you said that I think are great. One is this notion, which is very clear, and we shouldn't really pick on you know, frontline salespeople. They've got a quota. They have immense pressures to, to deliver demos in the second meeting. That's a whole other topic on whether that's the right strategy. But there needs to be care there. Like I literally this week, I was just doing research for an article I was writing for one of our clients and uh, I downloaded something. I put in my information. I had a meeting sent to me for a demo, like just like, here's the meeting. That was pretty presumptuous that I wanted a demo and you sent me a meeting. That's where it's just, it's, it's a bit ridiculous. There just needs to be some, some common sense there. And the other thing is what I love about pillar pages is, it breaks all of the constraints of like, this is an ebook, so it lives here. This is a video, it's not here. Instead of like forcing your like artificial marketing structure based on type of content on something, you can align a pillar page around a problem or an issue and load it up with different content, which is great because we all have preferences and we all learn differently. You know, some people want to read it. Some people want to listen to it. Some people want to watch it. It allows you to kind of create this organic entity that one will retain search, you know, juice and value for a long time because you're not changing the URL all the time. And two, it could create a more rich and, and interactive uh, experience. And and you can load all of that in, in one place and not be like, it went out in the newsletter. The newsletter takes me to the YouTube channel. I, if you put somebody in YouTube, then they're going to start watching car reviews or something like that. <laughs> there's never more distractions in the universe than sending somebody to YouTube, right? See you in three weeks. And, uh, just like Saturday. Oh, Saturday Night Live. I missed it. It reminds me what was on this week. But, you know, this notion of like, we have carefully curated some stuff for you that can help you. And it's all right here. And... And I just think it's operationally really efficient to keep bringing people back to that same place. Because you could say we have a new piece of content on the uh, MITRE ATT&CK framework, um, and we put it in our resource center or the pillar page, whatever we decide to call it. And I just, I just think I, you know, people, they need to do more of that. Like we, we've built something for you. And the reality is all you've kind of done is fill the pantry. It's not terribly hard. Color pages are not hard to create. You know, they're you know, they're very common and you could just keep keep feeding them. Then you're not in like, oh, I need a blog and I need a video. Uh and I need like you don't need everything for each thing. You, you know, you could you could have a broad problem, you could have a technical drill down, you could have a trial configuration, you could it could just all be be there for you. It's a beautiful strategy because it almost kind of pokes fun at the laughable shortness of our human being attention span. Rather than try to make 11 different formats of the same content, what if we just put it all on one master page and let people choose their own, right? And that's the beauty of a photo page. To really break it down and not speak about it technically at all, that's what it is. It's here's everything in the kitchen sink and you can read the parts of it that are relevant to you at your own leisure right? And come back whenever you want and go wherever you want because it's easy to navigate to and from. And you can listen to that podcast and that video at 1.5 speed if that's how you process information. Obviously, there's a point where it's not lead generation, but it's really the clo- it's closing and, and what comes beyond. 
And we should talk about both of those uh, quickly. This is where people are getting into proof of concept, maybe, and you're really trying to, if in enterprise tech, it's almost always pushing them to a proof of concept. The middle of the funnel has done their job. It's probably gotten them to a demo or a discussion with a, a sales architect or, you know, sales engineer, you know, people who are more sophisticated. And the 25 people at Goldman Sachs have, have been in a room, right, with you or whatever, whatever that might be. But kind of at the end, I think this is almost the hardest part because it almost feels like the content is the human pushing it, not necessarily the words or videos on a page. What works well late in the game? That's a point that not a lot of people talk about, but I do think it's more about delivery and experience than it is the actual material. And that's much different than the earlier portions of the funnel. Um, and if you succeeded earlier in the funnel, your prospects are now really well informed about their challenges and the various ways that they can solve for them. And they very likely narrow, narrowed down their final choices to a short list of two, three, max four, right? So what I see typically work in B2B spaces is content that incentivizes purchase, right? That's kind of the boring, obvious stuff. I think equally important solidifies trust in that purchase decision, right? Let's remove buyer's remorse from the situation and let's reinforce the value of your organization and the solution that you're delivering. Those are really what we want to try to do at the bottom of the funnel so that the delivery of that content or the push from the salesperson, because there is pressure and we understand that, is a little bit easier to swallow because you feel good about the decision that you've made. And so that's why I really encourage brands to lean into less of pushing your own branded material and more into third-party publishers, like areas that you can build trust and credibility quick. So obviously earn media, earn media, and you know, we could talk about this entirely different session. It has a solid role in every stage of the funnel and it's different in every stage, but I think it's critical at the end. Yeah. There's nothing like seeing, you know, you're in contract and you know, you've decided, oh, oh my God, do I really want an SUV? And then you just, you see that, you know, road and track review or that, you know, that article about just how good the off-road experience was in the forerunner or, or something like that. It just really, because you're right, buyer's remark is a huge thing. It's like, did I make the right decision? The other thing I think is interesting is that I think that this is also a place for a little bit of vulnerability. I don't want to sound like, too much like Brene Brown here, but this is where you should always be honest, but this is the most honest time. So if you're noticing that the client is all of a sudden asking about something and that is something that is maybe not good in your platform, right? You have two paths. You could openly tell them what the plan is to fix it and be honest about it, or you cover, cover it up, which obviously we're not advocating. And then it just reconfirms their fear like two weeks later or a month later or two months later. But I think there's this notion of being incredibly honest at a time where you think that like you don't want to show anything that might scare them. And I think there are great ways to do this. One, you know, we're starting to have more community oriented events, right? Like, and, you know, developer days are coming back and, and all these things. Invite those people to those events and turn them loose because then they can see, they'll get a, get a sense there's a community. They'll hear good and bad things. And sure, a lot could go wrong. But not really that much. It's not the drama of television where the event, you know, has that dramatic moment and, you know, the, the fundraiser's ruined, right? Um, 
I just watched an episode of Ozark that had that. Um, and, uh, but I think that that's that openness. Let them talk to other people. Put them in touch with other developers. And and if you haven't done any of that, open open that up. You know, put them on with your chief architect to say, I think that this is a problem we're going to run into, and here's how we should deal with it. And and they will remember you for that. One of our clients uh, tells this story on a, on a podcast about the first sale. New category, new product, and they're meeting the CISO or whatever at RSA or Black Hat, I can't remember. And they're going to basically ask for the check because they've been in proof of concept. And there's this two opinions. One, they had to fix so much stuff in that proof of concept. And it's like, why would they ever buy us? Because we had to fix all of this stuff. Brand new technology, by the way, you know, not a car that broke down. 25 times because cars shouldn't break down when you buy them, right? But like real cutting edge stuff, flying car stuff, right? And another person simply said, why don't we show them all the requests and problems and how quickly we fix them? And it be, it changed the conversation from, oh my God, these few things went wrong to like, we're your partner and we solve problems, which Anybody who buys enterprise tech knows you don't just plug it in and it works. I don't care what, you know, what the promise is. There's always the environments are complex. Just that alone causes things that the the vendor can never know. Right. And I just find that as a really fascinating way to demonstrate that you're here to work with them and help them solve problems. Now, to be fair, if you're in a mature space and you've got a lot of hiccups that are like the door won't open in the car. That's not what I'm talking about. Those are quality problems, and that's a whole other issue. But, you know, technology changes really fast and just being that partner. And then by bringing them into that community and that openness, you're already turning them into a champion and a part of your community, uh, even though they haven't even signed yet. And by the way, if the deal goes south or the person leaves, they're more likely to remember that moment and the kind of stand-up you know, nature of it than the moment of like, oh, it didn't work out. Because it's your integrity, right? It's your promise. I think that's a really, really incredible point. And it, you know, when I when I think about it, you 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 said a couple of things that stuck out to me here before we wrap. But the first was everybody knows, even at the most sophisticated levels of technology, it's never going to be perfect. We're talking about very savvy buyers here that have this is very unlikely their first time buying a piece of enterprise technology, to use the space as an example. The second thing that really sticks out to me is we talked about reviews earlier. I think it's important for sales and marketing teams to operate under the assumption that all of the bad skeletons in your closet have already been aired. People are aware of the pitfalls of your technology the way that it exists today, so do not try to pretend that they don't exist, right? Because it's a much worse look. And lastly, I would say, I think a really important part of the the final decision at the bottom of, of, of the funnel is I want to know that a company that I'm that I'm potentially working with is invested in innovation. And if a company sits there and tells me that their product is perfect today and there's no hiccups, I leave that conversation feeling a little bit scared that they're not worried about how it could be better tomorrow. But if somebody says to me, okay, so I'm I'm not I'm gonna shoot you straight. We're a little bit worse off with this functionality as compared to competitor X, Y, or Z today. But in our product roadmap in three weeks, that is going to be a completely different story. And I'm happy to put you on the phone with somebody who can show it to you. Early visibility. Or I would love to get your feedback because we're building that right now and we want to build it for you. Even better. 
I don't think there's a scarier position than somebody thinking that their technology is perfect and is done. That, <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's a scary place as a perspective. Well, the it. second you declare that you stop learning, it's clear that you have to learn one more thing, right? And that's it. You're always learning and things change. And this is why, this is why startups come in and shake up markets because companies get really comfortable. They don't want to upset the cart. And it, it's not an excuse to be reckless or, or anything like that. But, you know, I love this notion of like the deal is closed, but now we're in it together. We're joined at the hip. We're going to be successful. And I want you to be the champion for the company. So I want you to be the salesperson now and to tell your friends and to, you know, when you go to your next company, say that, that they were amazing. Even in our business, our best clients are clients we've had before or referred by other clients. That certainly costs a whole lot less than direct acquisition of leads. So I think you have to kind of build that in and, and have that integrity. Perfect segue into one more point that I want to make before we wrap up, and this could potentially tease out a, a future conversation between us. But believe it or not, the, the funnel does not end at conversion. Uh, and I think that a lot of people in sales and marketing assume that and make a mistake. But I think that the highest performing content marketing engines and lead generation engines treat retention after conversion as equally important. And so you made a great point. I, I, I fundamentally believe it is cheaper to keep a good customer happy than it is to find a well-aligned new customer, right? So if we don't think about the retention and loyalty building part of the funnel, we've, we've really failed ourselves and we put ourselves in a precarious situation. That's where pieces of content like technical documentation, how do I help people who are using my technology solve problems in real time quickly and get those answers from us rather than third-party sources or even worse, our competitors, right? This is where user communities and user conferences come into play. Let's share the updates about our technology. Let's gather feedback about what our users want and need to stay with us. And then, you know, really simple, but this is where social media comes into play as well. It's not just in the first three components of the funnel. How do we keep people engaged and have real um, back and forth conversation, two-way conversations with folks and make them feel like we're listening, right? We're not just pushing for the next wave of growth. We actually care about keeping them. And I think it's, it's really important to think about that last layer of the funnel that not only does it not get enough attention, a lot of times it just doesn't even get mentioned. Those are really good points. And I think one of the most important things that, that companies often overlook is what problems are people having with the product? And, and it may not be problems with the product in that the product is bad. It's just like maybe you're integrating your product into a data flow with three other technologies. And that requires some attention and some levers and some nuances and maybe some new code. Write about that stuff. Create content on that. Show the how-to videos because it's not only like keeping that customer happy. You're literally showing the product in action. It's that review thing you were talking about. That's the product being reviewed in a way and shown in real-world environments. And people, people could say, oh, that's me. I, I use Kafka and Spark, like so yeah, I should know, you know, understand how these integrate with it and overcoming three problems that people run into. Um, and I think just really being able to showcase that stuff is really fantastic. And getting customers and sending that out openly. You're engaged with a customer. You can now communicate with them all the time. You know, but that, that hard part of like, how much can you bother somebody? You can't bother your customer all the time, but you can bother, you know, you can send them quite a bit of stuff and chances are they'll welcome it. 
because they've invested in you already. So, hey, here's the the latest thing in our our docs that talks about the latest the the update with Kafka and what you need to do in our product to take full advantage of it. Something like that. That 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 does that. And by the way, that that stuff will fuel the entire funnel because people who use Kafka may already have that question and may already ask it before they ever talk to you. We've covered a lot of ground here. I think the one area we haven't covered, which I think we should say for a future podcast is, how do you know any of this is working? So let's let's table that discussion to have a podcast on like, how do I even know that my content is working for lead gen or, or anything else? Yep, slightly important. Matt, as always, great to talk to you. Yeah, you as well, Brian. You've been listening to Brian Scanlon and Matt Rabin with the latest installment in our series on content marketing. To check out the previous content marketing programs and our other Look Left podcast, please visit www.lookleftmarketing.com. If you haven't already, we invite you to subscribe to the Look Left at Marketing series on Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, we welcome your comments and suggestions for future episodes. Thanks again for joining us on this edition of the Look Left at Marketing podcast. Till next time, be well.